Hello. Oh, I've seen you before. You're Bob the Banana, aren't you? Yeah, I... Welcome back to the Science Shed, Bob. Do you enjoy being in the Science Shed? What do you do in your spare time, Bob? Get peeled. Get peeled. I love it. Of course. Well, you've walked into the Science Shed, Bob. I want to see my inside. I'd love to see your inside. What's a podcast? You've uh, this is this is uh, the science shed. It's a science podcast that comes out every two weeks with two university academics. My name's Steve Lee. I'm a chemist from the University of Cambridge, and my colleague over here is Nick Evans. He's a uh, bioengineer from the University of Hampton. But you already know that because you've listened to the science show before, haven't you, Bob? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love honest, it. Most of the I people we get here are actually human Wait. beings, Wait. so it's really good it. to interact with inanimate uh, matter. <laughs> would you like? Would you like to listen to another episode? <laughs> Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Combustion. Why Do We Need, Petri, Oscar, Bay. Isaac, Transplanting. I just recycled through the middle of London to be here today, Steve. Nick, we're podcasting from Finney P. We are, yeah. It was quite a, um interesting journey. Went straight past the Emirates Stadium. Yeah, so you can see it from my roof. Can you really? Yeah, do you want to go and have a look? We're going to have a look mm, later. Yeah, later. You can go on the roof. It's really good. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, because I've been refurbing my flat as regular shedlings will will be aware, and every so often when I'm a bit tired after I've done something, I get a, I get a little ice lolly, and I go and just sit on the roof and look at the Emirates. That's how Stephen winds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how was the cycle anyway? Uh, it was very pleasant. Yeah, yeah, went along some London roads, but Did the you thing get is, in- by a bus. No, I like cycling in London, and the cycle routes are so much more cycle-friendly than they used to be. There's special routes. I went on one called Highway 1 or something. Mm, no, no, it's amazing. One, yeah. But the thing about London, though, as well, which is different to cycling in my neck of the woods in the Wiltshire countryside, is that around here you get grit in your eyes every few seconds. Yeah. Yeah, so my eyes are sore. All right. We'll have to get um, some uh, goggles or something. Yeah, I think so. I'll bring my sunnies next up. But I think it's just the general air. Not necessarily air. flying oh, debris. I mean, like fine London dirt. That's I think it's just the air is so yeah. polluted, my eyes really. Anyway. Oh, look at you, your fancy pants. Come up from the country and just moan about the city. Anyway, let's talk about some science, All right, Steve. let's get on with it. Nick. Stephen. What do you know about virtual reality? Well... I personally have the opinion that we're all currently inhabiting a giant constructed <laughs> alternative reality in here. the mind of an alien being situated yeah. in a world and universe we couldn't possibly understand. Turtles all the way down, right? Um, Turtles no, all the way down? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, what, what's that being involved in? What's the... Oh, like a turtle on a turtle on a turtle on a turtle yeah. on a turtle. It's famous. It's the final quote, I think. Well, it makes me think of um, Discworld... Yeah. Terry Pratchett, because wasn't in his world there was like a giant tortoise? The world was on the back of a giant tortoise that was standing on four elephants or vice versa? I can't remember. I don't know. <coughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so, virtual reality. Uh, my f- one of my first PhD students submitted his thesis last week. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm proud of him. Well done, uh, Alex, if you're listening. Um, but He won't be listening. No, he probably won't. <laughs> Some of them listen. Yeah. Do your PhD students listen to the Science Shed? Um, I hope not. Are you embarrassed by it? 
And sometimes. <laughs> anyway, he gets the point. Um, yeah, he. Uh, so anyway, we've been working with this company, this like trendy like uh, company in London. Yes. And they've been making a um, VR um, uh, like game, I suppose, or like like software to visualize some of our um, set, some of our images that we've oh, done that on Microsoft. Great. It's really cool. So one of our students. Uh, so so we collaborate with some um, immunologists in Oxford. Yes. Uh, and we have been imaging immune cells, T cells. Yes. Um, and these are actually, so the way you get cells is you can either use an immortalized cell line, so that's just basically cells in a dish, but you can also get them from people. A cell that lives forever. A cell that lives forever, yeah. Or, Usually cancer cells. Yeah. Well, yeah. But the, so what we did in this case, we got some primary T cells, which were, do, which were donated from our collaborators. So you just isolate them from blood, right? So they're just a type of white blood cell that you get yeah. from people. So you, so you donate, donate a bit of blood, blood yeah. and then they isolate the, the, the um, white blood cells from those. And then they sent those to Cambridge, and then we imaged them in our microscopes. Um, and then we put that into VR, and then we invited this person, who, who, who shall remain nameless, uh, from our collaborators to come down. And she stood in VR inside her own T-cell. Oh, cool. Isn't that cool? Do you want to see the image? Yeah, go on. I'm going to show Nick the image. I want the headset, though. I don't want to just look at it. Well, this is what I've got at the moment. This is some of the data we took of um, uh, the T-cell. And, uh, yes, you can kind of... um, And this this is part of uh, my student's thesis. This is part of the digital appendix of one of the things you're doing. So I'm just looking at this. It's like a big, very granular shape. It looks like a dome on on a... black plane and it's it's kind of flattened at the bottom it's almost like if you wanged if you threw like a piece of goo at a wall and it splatted it's or a tomato it's like a tomato in the process of being splatted against a it's huge a, expanse yeah, of black it, nothing but it's ten thousand times smaller than a tomato yeah small um but yeah, so like we, um, and this, hopefully we're going to give this away. This is going to be freely available, this software, so other people can put their data into uh, VR. But it's just something quite amazing. And actually in the VR, you can move around and drag it about and have a look at all the stuff inside your cells. That's cool. But it was cool for actually her Can you do a be- video as well? What do you mean? A video of it, like a real-time video. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. Um, and yeah, so this is, the, this is just a, a rendering of it. But you can use it to see, it's to get people to stand inside their own cells. Isn't that cool? Amazing. In the club. In the club. In the club. In the club. And the other part is this bit, and that's the bit that makes it glow blue. Voice. Steve, I don't know whether this is a new feature or whether this is just a thing I'm going to ask. It's going to be a one-off, right? Okay. What do you reckon your favourite film scientists? Oh, that's great. Well, it's Venkman's got to be up there. Peter Venkman, all-time great. Do you think it's Venkman or Egon? Venkman's well, not really a scientist. He's a poor back off man. <laughs> your methods are sloppy. <laughs> you, Doctor Venkman, are a bad poor scientist. Poor scientist. Um, yeah, I think so. I think Venkman. Venkman, uh, definitely. Um, are you? Are you Mildred? 
menstruating right now? <laughs> what that got to do with it? Exactly. Um, I think obviously Doc, Doctor M. L. Brown. Oh, he's because, a cl- yeah. Because he was a student he was of top all of science. Do you know what? When people, you know, like my lab does a little bit of. Um, we, you know, we're on the border of a couple of different disciplines. Mm. You know, so when people ask me, I say, "What do you do?" I say, "I'm a scientist." Mm. If I think they're, if I can kind of feel that they're a bit like um, film geeky, mm. sometimes I say, "Well, actually, I'm a student of all science," which actually is a, which is a li- not me being a prick. It's the line from that Doctor yeah. M. L. Brown it's kind uses. Of, you being a prick it, as well. of course, yeah, but like about what, and mo- probably about one in ten people get it. But when oh, they cool. get it, that reaction, you're welcome inst- to the inner circle. <laughs> yes, welcome. You won't have any problems in this lab. <laughs> Come to my apartment later on. We'll have some sherry. I also have some kettle chips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, sorry. So, I'll so, tell you mine. I've got another one for you. All right, let me think about another one. Um, I think... Um, uh, Steve's loving this. I'm loving this. Uh, well... I had Ghostbusters. How about... I mean, maybe someone... Maybe Bishop. He was a scientist from Alien. Oh, you know what? I had Ash. Uh, Ash, okay, well, Ash same. Is so Ash is great, yeah. Ash. I didn't realise Bishop was a scientist. Yeah. Um, I think... Do you know? How, do you remember how Ash tried to kill Ripley? Uh, do you remember how he tried to kill her? I can't know. <laughs> he got a rolled up porno mag and tried to shove it in her throat. Oh, that's right, Pretty yeah. Pretty horrible. I think there's some kind of shit going on in the background there. Because the aliens did that, didn't they? Yeah. Impregnated people in the Down throat. Down the throat. Yeah, and Maybe the porno as well? I don't know. Yeah, psychological. Um, what other favorite favorite? Um, well, so there are because you have to think you have to break this down a bit, don't you? There's a shed load of uh-huh. film scientists. I would think. Can we have TV scientists as well? No. So you but you, have, why don't you say it anyway? You can't have Samuel L. Beckett. He had seven no, PhDs. No, oh dear, but he was. I mean, quantum. I have to say, Steve, <laughs> Quantum Leap. I did really love when I was fourteen. Yeah. Have you watched it recently? No, I haven't. Is it awful? It is so. King abysmal. It's terrible. Uh, okay. Even though I do All have right. a soft spot for Al, it's terrible. Okay, fair enough. All right, so so, so TV because you have to break it down. I think right? I think what we can do is maybe some people can can tweet us, tweet in. Uh, do you know what? I think we should use this as the start of a new segment, Nick. I don't think we should rush it because we can really three? we can really explore. No, I've got loads. Um, because uh, there's various different right. We could go. We, we could we could go through them and we could have a little chat about each of them and go into some depth i think so because i all right let's put it on the back burner for a while i'm not yeah. going to talk about spock then he was on my list right but that's why i kind of asked that because i was going to say data uh, the data's he's in a film yeah, yeah. No, he's in a film that's so that right. counts so brent spiner i can have oh, yeah. if, you, if they've been in a program and subsequently there's been a film that's okay yeah it's yeah. sam beckett's borderline because it was a pilot but it wasn't a film it was a TV no no it was pilot. a tv no i understand okay yeah. all right well do you know what though let's come back to that then what are we going to talk about though we're just going to say they're awesome and just I think talk we about can the talk film. about their strengths, their weaknesses, and their Top work. Trumps. <laughs> their oof. <laughs> okay, right. sounds good. More to come on the science shed. Nick, Steve, could you cook an egg by dropping it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you want me to tell you how? Well, explain explain the premise. What do you think I'm getting at? Well, I think if you if you were very high altitude and you dropped an egg from space and it entered the atmosphere, it would heat up and it would it would. Okay, cook. that 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 true, but I'm going to say not from that. Okay. So, uh, so, so the my argument is is that when you cook an egg by doing what dropping it. So so the argument is is when I pick pick take my cup of tea and I lift it up in the air. Yes. What I'm doing there is I'm transferring 
are using the chemical energy of my body to take the tea from one place to another. And in doing that, that's increased what's called the gravitational potential energy. Yeah, I remember this from uh, yeah. school. So, so what this is, so, so if, and if I drop that tea or egg or whatever yes. we happen to have, when that hits the ground, some mm. of that energy goes into sound and mechanical deformation into breaking the egg. Yeah. But, some, but the majority of it, well, some, a large fraction of it goes into heat. Okay. Right. So it warms up a bit from yeah. dropping it. When it hits the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It has to hit something. And more. so, so people know no, that's when that's when the the thing I said about space. Yeah. Friction with the air as it moves really really fast. It's not friction with the air. It's friction with the surface it's hitting. So if you did this in a vacuum and smashed it into a metal plate, the metal plate would get warm because yeah. that energy is transferred. So if yeah, you imagine yeah. like so, it's not it's not from the warmth. Of but when the, the egg flies through the atmosphere really fast, it's constantly hitting air molecules, and, and that's, that's but what that's keeps friction. Yes, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. why the. But this is what I'm not saying. This is a transfer of the energy of kinetic energy into thermal energy. Yeah. So when it's dropped. Right. So I had to think about this, right? And I looked looked up some numbers, right? So um, uh, basically the answer is you can't. Oh. So so before we get anywhere, the answer is you can't. So if you drop an egg, it doesn't matter how high you drop it, um, unless it's taking into account re-entering Earth's atmosphere. But How about... Lo- but, but if it was at a uh, terminal velocity... terminal velocity, yeah, yeah. What's the terminal velocity of an egg? <laughs> well... <laughs> it's actually not that fast. It's about sixty miles an hour. Like, really? Yeah, it's not that fast. So um, if you if an egg landed on it you, it depends. Yeah, it would be th- it would be not as hard as someone throwing it really like a bowler throwing it at your head because a yeah. bowler can bowl or a pitcher can bowl at like almost hundred miles an hour. Yeah, so that's faster so, so, than the egg so in, all, so in order to know the how much energy you would need, you need to know how much energy it, it takes to cook an egg, right? Yeah. So so we don't. So an egg's a complicated mixture, but albumin is a protein that's present in egg. And you can actually look up some what are called thermodynamic parameters, right? And the heat of denaturization, which is that particular thing of albumin. So that's, that's when the egg goes from, from clear to white. Exactly. Yeah, that's because de- that's denaturation of the proteins, which stop the light going through it. Exactly. And that requires heat. So yes. normally that would require, you put it on your frying pretty pan. pretty fast. You crack an egg in the frying pan, pretty much immediately it goes white. Yeah. So it's about 12 joules per gram. Is the heat of denaturization? So for an egg, it must be about thirty you, grams. An you egg. Need, you need about seven hundred joules ish. Okay. To be able to. How fast would an egg have to move to transfer that amount? Exactly. Energy? So even Half if you, MV squared. If you, is that what you did? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so even if you do that, um, basically to to heat an egg to like to the point that it cooks, you need about sixteen kilojoules of energy. Right. Which you just can't get from terminal velocity. But so how fast would it have to move? Um, you'd have to fire the egg. Could, but, but I, I, I have to work it out. I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's but, faster but, than but it's fast, It's hour. faster than its terminal velocity. I wonder how fast it would have to move. We so should we should work we can that t- out. That's an easy. It. an easy thing to think. But it's okay. kind of fun to think about. Let's, isn't it? That, let's magic in our brains now. Okay, we worked it out. What is it? It's five hundred over five hundred miles an hour. You'd have well, to fire an egg. That's not that fast. It's like how fast a jet moves. Yeah. So if an egg, so if you threw up an egg and a plane flew into it, it would cook the egg. It would go white when it hit the nose yeah, of the plane. Exactly. Bloody hell. Well, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So there's a novel you can. Next time I'm I'm in a restaurant and they ask me how I want my egg prepared, it'll be boiled, poached, fried, scrambled, and Jet plane. Well, it's an interesting. Heated. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? So, like, there are other ways things you have in, like, I don't know, if you, if you put an egg in a blender, could you cook it just from the spinning of the blade? You got a blender? blender? I don't. No. What? Right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, I don't think you could. <laughs> there you go. Mm. Eggs into aeroplanes. Mm.
Nick, well, what you got for me, Steve? I notice you've got something in front of you there. What is that? Um, do you know what? So last week, I just wanted to. So, so before we get into the science, I just wanted to talk about something a bit kind of topical because I thought you might be, it might have something interesting. To is say it about. Donald Trump? No. <laughs> well, in a way, is it um, fire regulations? In a way, um, is it relating to? I don't know. Okay, so today, uh, last week was the forty-eighth anniversary of Apollo Eleven. Forty-eight. Is that notable? <laughs> no, but it's topical. Yeah. Um, and I just, I was kind of thinking about it, right? And it's nuts. And I, I was listening to um, someone on the radio talking about it. And they were saying that the, the world's, the global computing power of of the Saturn V, of the um, uh, of the moon lander and the Saturn V rocket. The global Sorry, computing The global power. computing power, like a, all of NASA's capability. At the like, time. At, yeah, but on the whole, in the whole world, it's so way, com- way, way less. Orders of magnitude less well, than your prob- smartphone. Yeah, I'm not surprised. But so basically, we built the still the biggest and most powerful machine humankind has ever done out of slide rules and like you know. Just What's the biggest and most powerful the machine? The Saturn V rocket. Was it really? Yeah, most complicated, most moving parts, most powerful. So was the Saturn V rocket the one that took Apollo Eleven up? Exactly. Yeah. And that was done basically nowadays. If you were to recreate it, you could do the whole thing with a smartphone. Oh, well, the, the entire yeah, well, easily. You could con- you could control yeah, everything trivial. with a smartphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they weren't. I think part of it was that they weren't so reliant on computers. That's it was true. more mechanical. Isn't it just amazing that we did that. We like I think forty, like nearly fifty years ago, we like had the technology to do that. It just seems nuts to me that that it's that it would even be possible. It's quite comforting to me that you can do stuff like that really without computers or with minimal yeah. processing power, because it just means that you can build mechanical things which will behave in a way that you will expect without having to have this massive brain no, Exactly. It. There are other examples. So the Cassini um, uh, probe, which is going to crash into Saturn in the next couple of weeks or months, I think. I thought everything's bloody crashing into planets all yeah. the bloody time. But, but What's going on? <laughs> There's another one. Something crashed into something not long ago. Yeah, So, they, but they, designed, they, they, set <laughs> they, they set them off. They set them off in 1993, the Cassini. Is it um, when they mission. don't work? So they send them up and it's like, oh, but another Switch one's not work. Okay, well, it's plan B. What's plan B, mate? Yeah, we're going to you know crash plan B. It. It's crash always it the same. The plan B. <laughs> always the same. That's the beauty of plan B. It doesn't require much planning. <laughs> Why do they yeah. keep crashing stuff well, into stuff? Well, I think you, they learn stuff along the way. And then the final... And they're like, fuck it. <laughs> exactly. It's like at the end, it's like the kid takes over and it's like, <laughs> can we crash it? Can we crash it? Exactly, yeah. But think about even that, right? So, so imagine the like, I mean, the computation power we had in 1993, obviously much less than today. But they had still, they still had, you know, thought about the mathematics enough that you can, if if you set something off today and it was going to crash in like 20 years' time, yeah. Like think of them, think of how delicate those. The, the, well, that, they did that, that with the bloody like the Voyager missions. I That's mean, they true. were all they were. I mean, the Apollo 11 was was a much more. I mean, that was had to be much more accurate. Be, well, yeah. I don't know because they had to. You know, I don't think it happens, do. <laughs> so the thing went all you know, the way you know up my into the doesn't. sky. Seriously, she winds me up. I don't blame her. She's right. Uh, yeah. I think she's probably right. It went all the way up into the sky. Yeah, up in up there, a quarter of a the moon. Miles away. A little thing comes off it. Yeah, it goes down, <laughs> like controlled, and then lands. <laughs> yeah, and then a little man gets out. Two little men. Hang on, a little man gets out, walks around. As a little, yeah, two little a... men, right, whatever. Yeah. 
then they get back inside <laughs> and then they shoot off again and they re they re uh, in, they still they re-engage with uh, Michael Collins or whatever his name was I find it very difficult and then to they believe. come home I, I don't home. I actually don't blame people who have conspiracy theories about it because it is so mind-bogglingly crazy just, to think yeah. that you can do that you know it's 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 I, crazy and then you think you're talking about the voyager missions as well i mean they had to be fired off in like exactly the right direction at exactly the right time, time. Yeah, to be exactly. kind of slingshotted around because they went around the houses first didn't exactly. they, they yeah, had to, to get look. enough to get enough speed yeah to, yeah it'd yeah. be like saying okay you're going to go to Inverness okay well first of all we're just going to nip to we're just going to nip to Paris we've got to go <laughs> to Paris just to warm up a bit yeah and then <laughs> Moscow and that's the best route for you guys <laughs> yeah but we, there's no controls after we set you off so no exactly point you. <laughs> right, uh, and go yeah I'm sure it'll be fine um yeah, but I suppose that the, the, the final point in Voyager was a little bit less defined. It doesn't matter. It was, you know, they were knowing roughly where they're going and then it was just going off and out of the solar system. Whereas here, that's a bit different in, to, in say, the Cassini mission or, or, or in Apollo, where they're actually trying to rendezvous with a specific point, um, i.e. the moon or whatever. Yeah. I just think it's amazing. I just feel like it's the last time we, like, reached for something we didn't deserve. Is there any, like... Are we just talking like two morons in a pub here? I mean, is just, there any more scientific insight than? No, no, that was just it. Just <laughs> morons in a pub. Amazing. I just think it's amazing. That's and... amazing. Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Combustion. Why do we need Patrick, Oscar, Ray. Isaac, Newton, Transplanting? Nick, the podcast is over. Oh, that's a shame. Did you enjoy this one? I did. What was your favourite bit? The bit about the thing that we talked about earlier oh, on thing, was quite yeah, interesting. Yeah, very yeah. specific. Mm. Did you know that Bigfoot was alive and well in Devon? I didn't know that, no. Yeah, I was reading in a local newspaper the other day that uh, someone in a train is 100% sure they saw Bigfoot. Why is it that, that sightings of like UFOs and uh, paranormal things and Bigfoot has not gone up, given the fact that we have everyone can t- carries around them a high-definition uh, camera? I think that is pretty conclusive proof evidence. for the non-existence Cause you could pro- the probability of, of any of these monsters. Yeah, I thought the same about ghosts. You know, you remember you used to see like little... Like- Strange little, oh, I caught this in my camera, a UFO. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's all gone now. See him. Yeah, now, now cameras are awesome. There's <laughs> no such thing as all of these things, you idiots. You've heard it here first on the Science Shed. There are anyway, no such thing as ghosts. Anyway, well, there aren't. Anyway, there <laughs> yeah. definitely aren't, 100%. Sure. <laughs> Bigfoot. Yeah. What that, just that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, do you think Big... Someone said it was just a member of the Devon public. Well, like you see him down the pub in the fish and chip <laughs> shop. they look like in <laughs> Oh, look, there's Big... All right, morning. <laughs> what, Gary? <laughs> Don't mind him, he's fine. I did see a man the other day on the university campus, and he was possibly the hairiest man I've ever seen. Hairiest man you've ever seen. Because you know you Hairier get... than Robin Williams. He was pretty hairy. It was... I tell you what, I was following someone out of the... Um, what's called the senior common room, which is where people eat their dinner. Lunch. Staff. Right. And there was a chap in front of me, and he looked to all intents and purposes normal. And I was drawn to his arms. He was wearing shirt sleeves. Yeah. And his arms had hair. The hairs must have been several centimetres long and matted into sort of like whirls and threads and mats oh, all over his arms, all the way down to his wrists. And I thought, right. I just thought it was incredible. <laughs> I hadn't seen anyone that hairy before. Well, I feel bad for calling someone out on their phys- physical attributes, but there must be um, 
It must be an interesting scientific question. I'm sure we can we can look into the science of hearing yeah. this. But we cannot any, we cannot today. No, well, today the, the, the podcast, podcast is over. Yeah, that was great, Steve. It's nice to be here. So we encourage you, listeners, you lovely listeners. It's always nice to have you with us. Please do get in touch. You can tweet us on at the science shed. Um, you can tweet me. I'm at Steve the Chemist, and I'm at the Evans Lab. And actually, the best thing you can do is if you like the science shed, is share it on social media for us. So just we'll post it with a stupid. Uh, like teaser or something if you could just retweet it we'd love we'd be forever grateful do that and please come and join us again for next time for more science shed see you later bye bye